Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Bless God. I want to just share something, a fresh thought on an old preach, which is always the way for the preachers. But this this um, thought came back to me, or uh, came to me in a fresh way when I was in Nigeria. And uh, you'll, see, you'll see why in time. But if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Ruth this morning. Uh, wonderful, wonderful book. It's romantic. It's beautiful. It's a historical account of a Jewish family. And um, really the emphasis of the story, because it's prophetic of, of Christ. The whole book is a very prophetic book, even though it's a historical book. It typifies the relationship of Christ with his church, but it also talks about how a Gentile woman is married into a Jewish family, to a, a Jewish uh, groom. And um, it's a picture, of course, of Christ, a Jewish Messiah that took a Gentile bride to himself and brought, grafted us in with the wild olive tree, the, those who are far off of the revelation of God in our paganism, in our squalor and our sin, God in his mercy brought us in to be with him. So it's very rich, and it's, uh, you can see why the Lord brought it into the canon of Scripture, the, how the Holy Spirit narrated this. But let me give you the background. Some of you are very new Christians. You won't know this book, but it's a very, very dear book. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahalan and Kilion, Ephodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left there with her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Mahalan and Kilion also died, and the woman so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judea. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return to her to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you and to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that, you may, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I would hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should bear sons, would you wait for them till they are grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, and Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, 
Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from you, from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When she had saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened that when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited uh, because of them. And the woman said, it is Naomi. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law with her who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, and there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man a great wealth of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. We leave the reading there for a while. We'll read a few patches of that. But that is the background of this incredible story. This is time when the judges ruled Israel. Israel has now settled in the land of Canaan, in the land that God had given to them. The Canaanites had defaulted um, God's economy, that they became so evil that God put them out of the land, and he gave the land um, to, the, to, the, to the Jewish people, which has been contested to this day. But they, they are being ruled by the judges at this portion. And it's an interesting thing because for the Jew, all the promises to the Jews were linked to the land. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant was there. The promise of the Messiah was there. The promise that God would be the God in their land. That God would testify to them and God would cover them and God would uh, protect them and he would give them harvest. And, and so there, there could be times of testing in, in that relationship with God. A testing of your faith, the Bible says, you know, that's always been a test. A testing of faith is always there to, to, to test your perseverance and your character. You know, you can't create character. Character is something that is formed. You can't have it always easy. If you have it always easy, it's like the shallow Christian that never wants to leave the ankle deep water. Never really know what it is to go into overwhelming waters and trust God for deliverances. And for you and me as a Christian, we must understand that our, our life as a Christian is not a theory, it's a testimony. It's not about a theory of suffering that other, we hear of other people suffering. It's a, it's a life that we ourselves are called to suffer at times because it produces something in us. It produces a reliance upon God. I don't know if you can even agree with me in this, but I'm sure you can, Christian. Some of the worst times in our Christian life is when everything is going so right that my, my perfect house, my perfect car, my perfect salary, my perfect family... My perfect planned holidays, and it gets so self-consumed before you know it, you know, that you become very kind of bratty in your behavior. It, it especially rises at Christmas time. Have you ever noticed when Christmas time, all the goodies are so lined up, 
You become such a couch potato, you don't want to even get up off your seat. And when you do, your knees are aching because you've just been bound or eating like an idiot. And then the smallest thing that goes wrong, you get exasperated with. Have you ever been there? You know, everything's going so well. And it just shows you that the, the Bible says the eye never has enough of seeing, the, the ear never has its fill. And so with our natural appetites, sometimes they have to be removed from us just to bring us back to a grounding again that we are more than just our physical appetite. Amen. You are more than that. And so there's a time of testing came into, into Israel at this time. Now, famine is often a, result, a consequence of divine judgment. And now we don't know that from this context. I don't have bad eisegesis here and read into the text that what the text isn't saying. But suffice to say that in all our experiences as Christians, you can have times of famine. Whether, it's, whether it is God bringing it in deliberately to teach a lesson, whether it's the result of our sin, or it's a judgment, whether it's because of someone else's sin, you know, someone else's sin can cause famine. We can see today right in the Middle East, someone else attacks another country and it brings virtual famine to their own people because of their sin. You know, because of what they've done, the consequences of your action can bring a famine to other people. But regardless of what caused this uh, issue here for this family to leave their treasured country where the, where the ark of the Lord, where the presence of God, where the promises of God, and to forsake the promises of God and go to the land of Moab. Now, Moab is a sensuous land. The, the Moabites came out of, a, out of, of, of an incestuous relationship. You know, they're, they're, they're pagan people. Um, and, and they're very far from the, from the, the living standards of what a, what a Jew would have lived by or a Christian would have lived by. But there was a dry moment, and, and there can be the temptation for us Christians in times of dryness, in the times of what we can even see, a famine. Sometimes you're reading your Bible, and you're just not getting it. You come to church, you're, you're just not sensing it. And there can be the temptation to leave the promises of God to get fulfillment elsewhere. Now, it may not be necessarily full-blown worldly behavior, but you can start taking your consolation from everything from your education to your career, you know, our relationship, or thinking that this, I'll build this and this will be the answer to my future. Well, whatever the answer was for this family, they left the promises of God. They went into an ungodly place of Moab. And of course, you know, there for a moment, they seemed to be a level of prosperity. I mean, the family is added to it. There's two, two daughters added to the, you know, they're getting growth. There seems to be a level of prosperity there. And that's always the sort of, you know, the, the placebo that the devil gives you, you know, the, you know that, that false sense of a pill that something is working right in your life. And you have to always be careful, Christian. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And it doesn't matter if it, it might take a few months, it might take a few years, but you don't and I don't, none of us escape. When we sow something that's not right, it produces something in our character, in our life, in our family. A moment of foolishness can so, can so derail your, your life, uh, your, you know, your health, your future, the confidences of your family, uh, your, your employment opportunities. You see it often, you see young guys going out on a night out and they do something untypical, foolish, and someone ends up dead or they end up on Facebook and they lose their job or they end up incarcerated. You know, all that foolishness. You can see it in any one of our lives, the potential to, to leave the purposes of God and try to make it up ourselves. And I, I, I urge you this morning, as we get into this world today, if you're at that place, listen very clear, clearly because it never ends well. It always ends in death. Be not deceived. Whatever man sows, he should also reap. And so they, they left. This is a picture type 
of, 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 this is a picture type of, of a type of church. You know, I, 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 you know when I was in, when I was in, uh, in, in uh, Nigeria uh, a couple of weeks ago, this word came very heavy on my heart because in part, you know, Nigeria has you know, this huge country. You can't generalize it. They're fantastic people. But when you, when you analyze the, the church history there, you see a church that started very healthy, had a massive reputation, even among the Muslim community. The, 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 the leaders in the Nigerian church were telling me this, that in the 60s and 70s and early 80s, the, the rise of Christianity into that, that pagan part of the world really grabbed hold in the nation, and there was a purity in the movement. You know, there was a purity in the Christians' lifestyle. They were, they were so known as trustworthy that Muslims were looking for Christians to employ because they knew they could trust them with the money, they could trust them with the keys to the premises, and everything would be as it is. But, you know, there, there was that slow moving away from the, the, the Word of God into, into men's philosophies and men's outlooks, and it began to permeate the church. Now, that's not a unique Nigerian problem. I want to tell you that right now. That's a global problem. But it just came to me when I was there, when I was watching the lie of the land, hearing back from the leaders, you know, the genesis of the church, but yet the slow moving away from, from the Scripture, that slow moving away into, into, you could say, mixture, mixing a bit of the Scripture, with the worldly behavior. And that's exactly what Ruth, Naomi and Abimelech and their, and their kids, they, they, they brought the truth of God into Moab, but Moab also brought Moab into the whole equation. There was a mixture there. Yes. And that mixture never works. It may look like it works for a while. You see the church globally, you know, leaving the promises of God because we hit a dry time. You know, and, and, you know, thank God we're in a great time here at Cork Church. God is blessing all of the ministries. The church is growing. You know, we're able to bless world missions. There's a lot of wonderful things happen. But we will also hit our dry times, and you will hit them as an individual. That is just a reality. Nobody flies high all the time. It's the test of character. It's when things start going a bit wrong. And, and, and so there's, there's always that temptation to the Christian church to, you know, when things are going tough, let's try something new. I want to tell you something new isn't always something good. And so there's, there can be a looking to the world of, of, of ideas and how to, how to bring people in, how to keep people in. There can be a less reliance upon the Holy Spirit and upon prayer and the Word of God and a reliance upon the natural brain. Let's just employ the whole technique of, of the world and try to do something. And you can imagine how, you know, in the midst of their spiritual, you could say, in their, in, in their spiritual famine, Abimelech is talking to his wife, Naomi. You know what? You know, this is very dry here in Bethlehem. Things are not working. You know, we're not getting any real growth here. There's not much at all happening here. You know, I, I, I've, I've heard that the Moabites have some good technique, you know. Let's go and learn some stuff. I want to tell you, friends, this, you can learn nothing from this world. I want to tell you, we learn from the Word of God. Amen. As when we stay on the Word of God, that's when we are strong. Amen. But when we leave that place and we start to go to the best of a natural mind, that's the tops. It's only a natural mind. And so it's a picture of a type of church like the church in Nigeria, like the church in Ireland, like the church globally. And at all different places you can see the church will go through different sort of developments, different highs, different lows, different problems, different obstacles, different delusions will come upon the church. That's just history. But thanks be to God, amen, that the church is not left on her own. She has a savior, amen. She has a husband. She has a lover. She has someone that is always reforming her and bringing her back. And so we see this adventure going badly wrong for Abimelech and, and, and for Naomi. Very badly lose their sons. 
It's broken. Their natural heritage is broken now. Their family lineage, the family name, the testimony. It's all dead. Our husband dies. Our two sons die in Moab. Outside of the promises of God. Oh, very far away from what God would have had intended for them. Oh, had they just endured. You know, I want to encourage you this morning, whatever dry spell you're in, whatever difficulty you're in, hold on to the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't turn away from that. There is nothing outside of that world. And you see the temptation to leave the holy things of God, the temptation to turn away, to see what all that glitters is in gold, friends. I don't care how they bow down and what sort of magical tricks they pull in to bring a crowd in there. I don't care what sort of style they have. Oh, do you see those, that mobile worship? It's brilliant. Or whatever. I don't care what it is. You know, at the end of the day, you and me, friends, we live by faith in the Son of God. In the good times and the bad times, we will receive good and ill from the hand of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so this, this, this adventure, and it ends up very, very, you know, humiliating for this family. Naomi, you know, she says, don't call me, Naomi, call me Mara, which is bitter. You know, there can be a lot of bitterness when we, when we leave and forsake the, the path of Christ, you know, and we bring it upon ourselves. And don't think for one second that is a petulant God above. The Bible says, we bring it upon ourselves. We reap what we sow. But thanks be to God, in the midst of that, there is grace and there is forgiveness. There is restoration. It's not the end of the story. Amen. When I was there and I looked across the sea of faces and heard myriads of testimonies of men and women that talked about the early days in the Nigerian church, the glory days, and there were men and women seeking God. Say, oh God, restore that again. Bring us back to Bethlehem. Bring us back, oh God, to the true message of the gospel. Bring us back to Christ alone. Bring us back to a gospel that I know nothing other than Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Lord, take away all the, the woeful philosophies that man has interjected into, into the bride of Christ. And I, 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 it, it warms my heart because it is a returning. There is a cry in the heart of every true Christian for that, that, that hope of the church, which is a revelation of Christ. And so... In the midst of that journey, I see this, I see this Naomi, and she is a type of the church now, but she's incurred humiliation. She is, she's an object to be ridiculed. I'm sure others having an objective view of her say, well, she's not anything like she used to be. She is so fallen from a height. And, uh, you know, but there was something even in her broken state. I said, there's something even in her broken state. You, uh, what I say, you, you might be down, but you're not out. You, you, you might think that, you know, it's all over for me. Death has visited my family. You know, I am humiliated. And, uh, you know, and we, we can say that as much of the, about the bride of Jesus Christ. You can be objective if you want, but don't lose true objectivity because God's not finished with his church. I said, God's not finished with his church. Hallelujah. He loves his people. He loves the nations. The only hope of the world is the church. You take the church out of any country, there is no hope for that country. It's finished. And, I was, and as I was journeying in Nigeria, looking at the enormous possibilities of the country, and this country is so full of potential, so full of wealth, 
but yet so full of strife, so, so full of, 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 of uh, nepotism and, and, and uh, tribalism and religious tension, and yet you got this incredibly talented people, you got this growing middle class, but I want to tell you, without a church, it's finished. Just like Ireland, just like England, just like every country in the world, without a church, it's finished. But I thank God today, there won't be a nation in this world without a church. Amen. Amen. There will not be a place in this world that will not have a testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so there's this, there's something though, even, even in the midst of her losing her husband, there was still something in, in that broken church that attracted two mobile girls. I want you to think about this. Even though the church can be judged by God or gets the consequence of its foolish decisions, and I'm not one to hide behind the foolishness of church history at all. I would say despite all that is what I'm saying. Despite the foolishness of sometimes wicked leaders, sometimes pervert leaders, sometimes wayward congregations, sometimes worldly leaders ascend into the life of the church, sometimes the church gets hijacked. And despite all that, there is a God who is willing and working his way, hallelujah, back into his people again. He does, he's not so, he's not so uh, fickle that he just goes, oh, I can't touch them anymore. I can't look upon them. That's not the God who we serve, amen. And God is not blinded by your sin. God doesn't turn tail because you and I fail him, amen. He doubles down all the more so that he's the excellency of the powers of him and not of us. And so I begin to see in this woman, even in her broken state, losing first of all her husband there was still something of the dna of heaven upon her and upon her testimony that attracted these mobile girls in there and they became very very why would they want to leave forsake their family their homes and journey back with her to bethlehem she lost her sons now she's on the road back it's interesting really in the christian life you do have different sorts of personalities but we do come down to two sort of groups at the end of the day we have those who, who will only talk about a commitment, and we have those who actually know what commitment is. Orpah, of course, was dramatic. She was probably the one that was very demonstrative in worship. She was probably the one that was, looked really enthusiastic and energetic for the God of Israel. But when it came to it, friends, all her cries and all her tears and all her reassurances, I'm with you, I love you, I, she, she walked away. She walked away with tears, but she walked away nonetheless. But there was one, one young woman called Ruth. And I want to tell you, friends, that even in a broken church, it's still powerful enough to recruit, re recruit a Ruth. Amen. It's still, the power of God is still there to attract into himself. I've seen it even in the church here in Ireland when the enemy came and attacked, when there would be trouble and strife within it. God would all of a sudden save a man or a woman and they would, the glory of God would be upon them. A fresh anointing would be upon them. You know, it's not the old ones, it's these young men and women that are hearing the word of God and just say, I know there's broken things in the church. I know there's weaknesses in court church. I know there's weaknesses in every church, but I see a light of God still in the church of Jesus Christ and I'm ready to go out to the fields to glean again. Can you say amen? I'm ready to go out to the fields. I said, hey, I want to tell you right now in our own church, God is raising up men and women that are saying, let me go out. Let me go to the fields because Jesus said, the fields are white and the laborers are few. And they're saying, oh, they're not few anymore because I'm volunteering to go out to those souls and to reach them for the gospel. Hallelujah. 
And so there's this returning back again. And I hope you can see that for an end days church. I hope that you and I are not those who stand in the sidelines and all we do is finger wag, wag our fingers and wag our tongues at how bad the church is, how bad the Christians are. I want to tell you that is a place of complete unbelief because the Bible says he who began the work will complete it. He, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, he says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. We thank God today that his hand has never lifted off his people ever. They head back because they hear that there is bread again in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. I'm hoping this morning there's someone hearing me online or here in this church that there is bread again. The presence of God is here again. You may want through seasons. You might have gone through seasons of bewilderment. You might have gone seasons of your own rebellion, foolishness. You might have got sidetracked into the world, but there's a call of God in your life and you're sensing the bread is the presence of God. Jesus talked, I am the bread that came down from heaven. It's about the person. It's about the presence of his Holy Spirit. It's about that feeding of our souls. Amen. And I hope this morning that even as you sit here, that you have that sense of expectation, what God is doing in my heart, what God is doing in our midst, what God is doing in Nigeria, what God is doing in other churches around the world. He's continue that and I hope that faith begins to rise to you that the church of Jesus Christ will rise up like the phoenix out of the ashes amen and will be an absolute beacon of light to governments and societies and every institution that there is a God in heaven that changes lives amen hallelujah this world needs a church to rise up I said the church needs this world needs us friends it needs a rising up from you and me. It needs a returning back to Bethlehem, coming back to the promises. Do you see many Christians left the word of God? They left it for foolish philosophies and understandings. But I believe God is bringing men and women back to his word again. Hallelujah. Man shall not live in bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. People are beginning to open their Bibles again. People are saying, enough of you preacher, enough of you philosopher, enough of you ruler of the age. What does God have to say about the situation? Hallelujah. We have enough of politicians. We have enough of these little YouTubers telling us how to live our life. And these TikTokers with their phony, fake, minutes online, whatever you want to call it, friends. I've been off of it. I'm sick of it. I'm just trying to knock them all off my Facebook page. Get out in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'll follow you in the name of Jesus. I don't listen to that garbage anymore. I don't care how cute you look. I don't care what you say. You are a load of garbage. I'm going back to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Comes a time, Christian, where you just have to say, you're an idiot. Bang. Unfollow. Amen. I'm here, what does God have to say? And Naomi, that church said, I'm going back to the bread again. I'm going back to the bread of life. Oh, and I might be broken. I might be on the canvas, but God has done something. Oh, that little dorky church with 10 people in it, but there's a root there. Hallelujah. There's a root there. There's someone. There is hope, the scripture says. Even for a tree, when it's cut down, you know, I've quoted so many times, I love it. Even when it's cut down to the stalk and the roots seem to be dying in the ground, at even the scent of water, it'll sprout again. 
Oh, I tell you, church, can you hear what God wants to do? <laughs> you know, they may persecute us, and they will, and they have, and they'll do it again. They may ridicule us. Oh, look at our dinky church with our dorky prayer meetings. Oh, my God. But I'm telling you, there's a root there. There's a praying woman. There's a praying man. They're ready to go out to glean in the fields again. They're ready to go out and reap a harvest again. And in the midst of doing that, you know what happens? When you and I start to hear the call of God, when you and I start to respond to the call of God, when you and I start to fulfill the works of God and go again to the marketplaces and go to the fields and begin to glean. Do you know what happens, friends? We come under the wonderful eye of our Boaz. Hallelujah. We come under the wonderful eye of our Savior, just like this Moabite girl did when she came back to the land with her mother, a stranger to the land. That's you and I, friends. Strangers we are, but brought into the very commonwealth of God's church. Strangers we may be in this world, but we carry the power of God. She was so converted to God. She was so committed to that church. She said, I'm not leaving that little small church. I'm not leaving the things of God. God forbid even, even less death itself separates me from you. Nothing but death. To the very end, I'm standing with the testimony of Jesus Christ. To the very end, I'm standing with the church of Jesus Christ. I don't make excuse for her folly. I don't make excuse for her sin. I don't, her waywardness, all that has to be dealt with. But it is still the only hope for the nation. And the nation's. When I was over in that great country, that's a great country, Nigeria, fantastic people, incredibly rich country in so many ways. And I look at the solutions outside of the church, I would fear and I would tremble. If you think this president, oh, we get this president out, get this one in, it doesn't change. Oh, we get this with, it doesn't change. Same with here. Same in America. Oh, if we get Bush in, everything would change. Oh, if we get Trump in, everything, nothing changes, friends. Oh, no, no. The only thing that changes is when the church rises up. The only, the only hope is the church of Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. This is how God constituted it. You know, if it was you, and, you and I were to plan out what the, what the plan would look like, I'm sure it would be far better than God's one. I'm sure we would just have a fleet of angels running everything. I'm sure we would just do it this way, that way. But God choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God is doing something in your life, undeserving, uh, uh, underrated. And rightly so, you are under, you're rightly underrated because we bring nothing to the fight. You, the weak and the foolish of this world, he elects to himself. It's amazing when we come to Christ as Christians, an awful lot of the cockiness of what we think we bring to the equation has to get knocked out of us. We think we have the solutions and the answers. We th we, we're thinking like Elimelech. Oh, well, driven by the natural mind. That's what, that's what his leadership was. He was a leader that was driven by what he saw. Well, this works. Let's try this. Let's go to Moab for a solution. I want to say that that needs to get knocked out of us. That needs to die. That needs to die in us. And then there's a resurrection. There's a brokenness in Naomi. But in that brokenness, there's a sweetness that attracts even a new believer. It says there's something very true about what you say. There's something very pure about what you're speaking now, Naomi. And I'm not leaving you. And I'm not going back to Moab. There's nothing there. Behind all the glitter of Moab, it's just like going to Oz. But all is But behind the curtain is a little four-foot nutting guy pulling the levers. When you move away all the curtains of man's endeavor, you begin to see how naked and how foolish the king looks with no clothes. And that's the reality when we look around our world today, friends. I want to tell you, the emperor has no clothes. 
He's got nothing. He's got no solutions. He's got nothing other than political games. All he has is just angles. All it has is to keep them in power and to keep money in certain pockets and the manipulations of societies where the world falls apart and goes to hell in a handbasket, but God still has a church. Broken, weak, fragmented, and he's beginning to call her back to Bethlehem. Oh, hallelujah. He's calling the Nigeria church back. Oh, she's beginning to hear him, seek him in faith. Going back, he's calling the Irish church back. He's calling the American church back from its foolishness of thinking that a man in the White House could save their country. What folly, that was never a way. It was meant to be about the man in God's house, not the man in the White House, amen. It was meant to be the man that ever lives to make intercession for us. No other way, friends. Our route is not politics. Our way is not conniving. Our ways are, we don't make warfare as the world makes warfare, friends. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in the dark places. And Naomi goes back as a type of church to the promises of God. And I urge you as a Christian this morning to go back to the word of God and begin to feed your soul again and what God has to say to you. Because as you begin to dwell in that word as you begin to come back to the house of bread because this is your bread this is your Bethlehem as you begin to dwell over the scriptures something will rise within you a compassion a love a, a, a charisma an enthusiasm for souls a desire for the presence of God and I want to tell you in the midst of that happening Christ will look he will see you in the fields he will tell his angels you look after them supernatural provision will happen for you just like it did for Ruth she's walking along and this handsome wealthy Jewish man who knows her not sees her he says who is this woman working in the fields he said and they said that is that is Ruth she is actually related to you she is a daughter-in-law of Elimelech they were cousins and he saw her working for her little Naomi working for her little church going out providing bringing that tithe and that offering going out reaching the souls and bringing her in and he says to his little workers, his little angels, give her a little bit more grain. Make sure she drinks from the right fountain. Give her more than the rest. Deliberately drop sheaves where she doesn't, of, of wheat as she's leaning the fields. I want to tell you, Christian, he's no man's debtor. As you work for him, you're going to see doors open for you. You're going to see things drop on the ground that never were there before. You're going there and you're doing the back-breaking work of going through the kernels that have, the reapers have left behind in the barley fields, trying to save enough to grind out some corn for yourself. Hard work in the middle of this heat of the day. Life is hard. There's no doubt about it. But as you work for him, the supernatural begins to happen. Provision that shouldn't come your way comes your way. Doors open that shouldn't open. All of a sudden, that bow is that type of Christ. You come under the very eye of Christ himself. Oh, I tell you, you know what? She found herself attracted to him. It doesn't say that you eat into it. She knew that he was a close kinsman, that she, she, he could legally marry her if he should want to marry her. And she finds herself eventually at the feet of this man. And I want to tell you, Christian, that's where we need to be found, at the feet of Jesus. And at the feet of Jesus, that's where he extends the corner of his robe or his mantle and he covers her as he will cover you and cover me. As we come back to the house of bread, as we come back to the house of faith, as we come back to the word of God, as we begin to work for the testimony of Christ and regardless of the foolishness of the past, still believe that the church is the only deal in town and is worth fighting for the testimony of Christ. God help you and God help me to see the wood for the trees now, amen, and be found on the right side of history. 
God help us all to be like a Ruth. Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from you, from following after you. For wherever you will go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people. Your God, my God, Jesus. Where you die, I died. That's Calvary. <laughs> and there I was buried. And the Lord do so to me, and even more so, if anything but death parts you and me, Lord. Hallelujah. That is the committed Christian. That is the church that is going to rise up in the last days. That is the church, friends, that even though she may be small, she will punch way above her weight. She will shine bright in a dark world. She will attract to her those who are hungry for righteousness. Oh, not everybody wants righteousness, but those who are seeking it, friends, will come to her. They will see that city on a hill. They will see that candlestick lighting. They will see the glow of God in you. Oh, they might find you sometimes in a petulant mood or a silly mood. Yeah, we're human beings, but they will not deny there's something different. There's something in you. There's something that is godly in you. And they will come and they will ask you and you will say to them, I am gleaning the fields because God has called me. God has brought me back. God has brought me to his word. God has brought me into a relationship with himself. And so you and I are the hands, feet, touch and feel of Christ in this world. We are the light of Christ. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. Oh, we may look stupid to the world, foolish to the world. Yes, not look, we are foolish to the world. The world can't even countenance that you would come in here this morning and give two hours of your morning, give your tithe and offering, stand and sing songs, lift up your hands like some strange Middle Eastern whatever. But they can't understand. They look at you and I and they think we are an object to be ridiculed. But I want to tell you that we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are coming back to Bethlehem, broken and wounded, but God is strengthening us. We are getting back into the mission field. We are getting back invested in souls. And the greatest revelation comes to the end days church because Joel chapter 2 verse 16 says, I will, in the end days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. We are coming into a time where darkness is getting so dark that it will be nothing other. It will not be the lovely big screen of Cork Church that flickered like a Christmas tree this morning. It won't be the wonderful worship that we had, friends. No, it won't be. It won't be the stunning greeters that you met coming in the door or the amazing coffee and sandwiches downstairs or the great meetings that we provide. That will not be it, friends. It will be about the glory of God. It will be about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God is showing up. God is going to show up and God will show up, friends. And the world will take note that you've been with him and the world will see it in the workplace. They will know there's a difference about you. You may look an object of ridicule, but Christ in you is the hope and glory. Hallelujah. Enough beating up the Christian church. Come on, let's pray for her this morning. Come on, stand on your feet and let's raise our hands and say, oh God, right now we're going to pray for Nigeria, Ireland, the nations of the world, for the church of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? I said, are you with me this morning? Are you going to lift up the body of Jesus Christ today? Are you going to protect her and love her just like a marriage relationship and say, oh God, there's good things and bad things, but we are married. You know, you and I are one in Christ this morning. You may have issues with me and I may have them with you, but we lay them aside. We put them under the blood, friends, because, our, because the word of bread tells us to do that. It tells us not to take offense. It tells us not to hold things in heart. It tells us to not exchange evil for evil. 
It doesn't, friend. It tells us all these things. Now I want you to raise your hands and ask God to begin to pour out His Spirit upon the church. And God to restore the church. Come on, right across. Fellowships. Those of you from the different nations of the world, raise up your country. Say, oh God, bring such a tremendous revelation, such a tremendous reformation, such a tremendous move, oh God. Bring your people back to the house of bread, back to the scriptures again. Sola Scriptura. God, bring us back to your word where that will only be what will govern our thinking and behavior, Lord. Not the vain philosophies of man. Now I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the pastors. And I'm not saying that for self-serving reasons. Because if if the enemy takes the leaders out, he damages the body. If you strike the shepherds, the sheep will scatter. You need to pray for your leaders. You need to pray for the nations. You need to pray for a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I implore you, by God's grace this morning, begin to intercede where you are. Pray for the church in Ukraine today that God will meet that church in a dynamic way. Pray for the church in Israel today that are suffering there, that God will meet them in a dynamic way. Pray for the church, God, in our own city, in our own nation, in Brazil. Oh God, in the Philippines, Jesus, in India, right across the known world. God, build your church in Jesus' name and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe with all my heart, God, you will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. Hallelujah. God is doing something. He's restoring his people. He's bringing them back out of Moab and bringing them to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Oh, Jesus, we bless you. We bless you. Come on, sing to the Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.